I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, lifestyle, wellness, and self-development. Join me in uncovering the mysteries of beauty, anti-aging, and ultimate longevity with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the health revolution. Greetings, beautiful ones. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Today's episode is all about rejuvenated skin and satisfying sex. Dr. Amy B. Killen joins us to discuss the incredible powers of regenerative medicine, PRP, and stem cells for sexual longevity and skin regeneration. Dr. Amy shares the foundation for true anti-aging, nitric oxide and why it's important for beautiful skin, whether Botox and fillers help or hinder anti-aging, the benefits of red light therapy, secrets for feeling turned on and sexual satisfaction, peptides for skin rejuvenation and sex, and Dr. Amy's favorite beauty hacks. Before we dive in, I wanted to shout out Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is an ultra personalized nutrition and wellness platform that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body and reach your goals. And as I've shared in my Instagram stories, I chose their ultimate plan, which includes a blood draw to test for 43 total biomarkers, as well as an inner age test to know my current inner age. Out of 43 biomarkers, I have five at-risk biomarkers that I'm now working on with their amazing nutrition specialists. And I'm using the Inside Tracker app, which I love for helping me keep track of my biohacking and anti-aging goals. I have definitely seen a difference in my energy levels since I've made these changes and also in my mood and anxiety levels, which has been really, really amazing for me. I feel really empowered knowing what is going on with my health and my body. And I'm very excited to keep you updated as I experience more changes. All right, my loves, enjoy the show. Hello, Dr. Amy. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing amazing. I'm so, so excited to have you on the podcast today. And I would love to just dive right in because there's so many things I want to ask you about. So you specialize in integrative regenerative medicine, which is a mouthful, but you used to be an ER nurse. So I would love to just hear kind of what inspired that transition. I was an ER doctor and I was a doctor for uh, in the ER for about 10 years. Um, and towards the end of that, I had my three kids. So I have three kids that are, that are currently 
13, 13, 11. And I had them within, you know, this very small two-year period. Um, and then I was still working full-time in the emergency department. So I was still having to get up at three in the morning, go to work. And I had these kids at home and my husband was living out of state at a job. And it was just kind of a lot. Um, and I just found myself just doing kind of all the wrong things. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't exercising, um, you know, super stressed out. Uh, and I realized that a lot of my patients in the ER that I was seeing every day were actually suffering from the same kinds of, you know, kind of life stresses and that none of us were very healthy. And so I decided to make a change. So I spent a couple of years kind of learning um, about integrative medicine and anti-aging medicine and, and eventually regenerative medicine, which is using things like stem cells and, and light and things like that to, uh, to let your body heal itself. And I eventually left the ER and opened a practice. And that was eight years ago. The rest is history. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. So eight years, and I can only imagine how much has changed in those eight years as far as kind of what's come up in medicine and in science. So I, and I love that you focus on, you focus on two things. So you focus on skin and you focus on sex. Yes. So, <laughs> so how are skin and sex related when it comes to regenerative medicine? So they're really, it's, it's, it's funny because when I first started practicing integrative medicine, um, I was, you know, I'd have patients come in with just general complaints, you know, uh, fatigue, weight gain, lack of motivation, you know, like kind of all the things that, that are pretty common. Um, and then I'd start working with them on, on lifestyle and hormones and this, this and that. And then they'd come back, you know, three or four months later and say, I'm starting to feel better. And now can you help me with either my skin or my sex life? And it was always those two things. And so I realized that they're very much connected in, and they're sort of this next level of health. Like once you've kind of established a foundation of health and you're, you're beyond that survival state where you're just trying to get by every day, then you can start thinking about these higher levels of health. And, and both skin and sex are, are going to depend on establishing a strong foundation of health first, you know, exercise and diet and, and stress management and sleep and all of those things are the most important first steps. But then, um, then there are some similarities as far as treatments and things we can do um, using stem cells and PRP and light and um, lasers and things like that that work both for sexual health and skin health. It's so cool. And I love that you mentioned exercise and diet because I'm a big believer in just the foundation, as you said, like those are really important to kind of address first. Otherwise, you're kind of in an uphill battle, right? Trying to fight against what is happening in your body. So when it comes to exercise and diet, are there any things that you kind of talk about with your clients before you go into the PRP and the stem cells and all of that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of my patients, depending on where they're coming from, if they're coming from out of state, which a lot of them are, then I, I have them kind of work with their own doctor there. But for the ones who are local, um, you know, with exercise, it's it's trying to move and do something every day, if you can, at least 30 minutes a day. Uh, obviously, for hormonal balance, we like to make sure people are lifting lifting weights and actually and doing resistance training. That's important um, for making sure testosterone is high enough in both men and women. Um, but, you know, obviously, just, just moving uh, high-intensity interval training, as well as doing some kind of flexibility training. And all of that is going to go into helping with stress reduction, as well as, um, you know, getting enough blood flow to the different parts of your body that you need to keep healthy. Um, and then with diet, you know, lots of, uh, lots of vegetables and fruits. And, and I try to focus on kind of a low glycemic diet, not getting too much sugar. Although I don't think that I don't think that a little bit is bad. I think it's all about kind of metabolic flexibility, kind of keeping things, um, 
in, in a, a healthy range, but being able to splurge a little bit here and there. But in general, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of antioxidants is, are really good for your skin. Um, omega-3 fatty acids are also important for skin hydration and um, keeping the skin barrier function intact. And, and the nitri uh, nitric oxide uh, uh, increasing foods, things that are high in nitrates, like green leafy vegetables and beets are also really important for sexual health as well as skin health. So nitric oxide, can you talk a little bit more about that? Why is it important for skin health and sexual health? So nitric oxide is the main uh, chemical messenger that tells your blood vessels to vasodilate, which means go from being this big to being this big, you know, that opens the blood vessels up. And that's what allows blood flow to go to different parts of the body. So like a lot of people will take, um, uh, nitric oxide boosting supplements before they work out because they want to get more blood flow to their muscles. Um, and it, you know, this is an important chemical for really for just maintaining the health of all of your blood vessels throughout the body. If you lose your nitric oxide, which we do as we get older, then your blood vessels start um, becoming less healthy. You start to be more prone to, uh, to plaque and atherosclerosis and things like that. So, you know, basically if you think about the, the, the things I work with skin and sex, both of them really like blood flow, right? Like in order to have that beautiful, young, healthy, glowing skin, you have to have a good amount of blood flow and you have to have nitric oxide. And people don't talk a lot about that in the skincare world. Uh, it's much more talked about in the sexual health world, but it's actually really important for both. Oh, interesting. I actually just started using an inversion table uh, because right blood flow throughout the body, but then thinking, okay, well, getting that blood flow to the face as well might be really beneficial. So do you have an opinion about inversion? And you know, I haven't, I haven't seen anything about it with skin, but I mean, it's not going to hurt for sure. I can only uh, imagine. You have to let me know if you, if you <laughs> I will, I will. So you mentioned a few things that I'd love to dive a little deeper into. So the first thing is stem cells. So can you talk a little bit about what that means? What are stem cells and how do they work for anti-aging? maybe for skin and then also for, for sex. Yeah. So, you know, you have stem cells, we all do all over our bodies and they're the cells that are responsible for the general upkeep of our organs and tissues, right? They're the cells that can, they can replicate themselves. If you, if you need more of them, they can become other types of cells also, which is called differentiation. Um, and so like, if you get an injury, for instance, if you cut your arm, what happens is that, that the cells around that are going to send signals to your body's stem cells. Hey, we need some more collagen. We need some more blood vessels. We need some more, you know, different components to repair this injury. Um, and so what happens as we get older is your stem cells lose the ability to, to message to other cells. They lose some of their ability to repair and regenerate, which is why, you know, if I cut my arm, it takes it, you know, two weeks to heal versus if my 11 year old son does, he's healed in like a day. Um, that's stem cells. That's the stem cells and that's us getting older. So the idea behind using stem cells um, for skin health or hair restoration or sexual health or, or joint health or other things like that is that we can either take stem cells from the patient from somewhere they were not, they're not being used like their bone marrow or their fat, or we can use um, other kinds of growth factors um, from, from stem cells, like from birth tissue products like umbilical cord stem cells or um, exosomes or things like that. And essentially we can move those things. We can inject them in the face or use microneedling. And what happens is those cellular components are going to message your own cells that are already in the, your skin, like your fibroblasts and say, Hey, 
you know, let's increase the collagen production. Let's increase the elastin production. Let's make more youthful skin. And so that's what you get. You get essentially this healthier creation of skin. Um, and that's going to be a very natural process because all you're doing is using your body's own ability to repair itself. So interesting. And when you say like umbilical cord stem cells, those are your own, like your own would be your own umbilical cord stem cells or you can no. use other people's? You can use other people's. I mean, right now in the, in the United States, the FDA does not allow us to use umbilical cord stem cells anymore. Um, there was a period of time where people were using them, but right now they're, they're not allowed um, until they become FDA approved, but it would be someone, it's a, it's basically, basically a, a full-term baby's uh, umbilical cords and placenta that are donated. And then labs will take those cells, screen them, and either um, you create cells out of them or make cells out of them, or they will, they will sort of uh, use what we call the, the, the growth factors or the exosomes, which are components of stem cells that have been released, they're going to have a lot of the same benefits of stem cells, but they won't actually have stem cells in them. So you can get those. And we use a lot of exosomes and, um, and growth factors for skin, uh, and we just apply them topically. And that is allowed currently. So interesting. So the question I would have then is, can you regenerate skin to the point where you're actually reversing the texture and the quality, like, I think there's more involved in than just the layer of the skin, right? Like there's also collagen and maybe like fat loss and density loss with the bone, but do you feel like you can reverse or is it just more like you can prevent any further aging or damage from happening? You can reverse some of the things you can, you know, it's easier to make collagen than it is to get your bones to, you know, to rebuild. Um, and like you said, like, you know, the things that we, that happen as we get older uh, are, we have, we have bone resorption. So you actually lose bone uh, in certain parts of your face. Um, you have loss of, of um, fat or you have redistribution of fat. So instead of having these nice, you know, nice fluffy fat and cute cheeks, like we do in our youth, they like either start to move down to our jowls or they just go away. Um, and, and then the other part of it is the skin gets thin and then you lose collagen. So, you know, the, these regenerative therapies can certainly improve the skin itself. Um, there's some evidence they may be able to help with the bone resorption and the, and the fat to some degree, but I don't think it's to the degree of we're reversing anything yet. Uh, maybe someday. <laughs> Hopefully someday. And then with the skin that actually does reverse the quality of the skin. Yeah. I mean, it's a slow process. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make the claim that I can turn a 50 year old into a 30 year old. It's not, it's not like that. It's more, you know, we can increase your collagen production, your elastin production, your hyaluronic acid production um, for a period of time, but a, you kind of have to keep doing it. Like some of these therapies, you know, you want to layer on other things like maybe laser treatments or, or radiofrequency treatments, or, you know, you're going to be, this is not a, like a, you do one thing and all of a sudden you've turned the clock back 10 years. It, it really isn't that. And you're also looking at, you know, what kind of skincare are you using? Are you using, are you using, you know, a sunblock every day? Like there's so many parts of aging that you have to address that it's, it's not as simple as we do some injections and all of a sudden you're perfect. It's, we do some injections and you do all these other 10 things. And then we're, we're working on actually turning back the clock to a degree. Totally. And it's so true because that's kind of what this podcast is all about. It's like, it's not just the skincare you're using or, you know, fillers or whatever it is. Like there's such a, a bigger holistic process and it, there's so many factors involved. So I'm glad that you talked about that a little bit. And then mentioning fillers and Botox, like where does that fit into that process? Because if you think about 
you're increasing the process of anti-aging in your body, but are there, do you feel like Botox and those things work towards that or do they work against it? Because that's kind of the current way of doing things too. It's like, this is the way to look younger. Do you feel like that's a, a part of that, that holistic picture? Um, I, I think it's still, you know, I, there's a lot of um, people in the sort of natural skincare world that are, are very much against Botox. I'm not one of them. I think that Botox is fabulous. I think that all the neurotoxins, you know, Dysport, all of those um, can be, are very effective. Uh, they, you know, they work in a whole different way. Like they work, as you know, they're going to work by preventing specific muscles from moving so that you're not making those dynamic wrinkles, the ones that are caused from muscle movement. So if you can limit muscle movement, um, then you're not going to wrinkle as much and that can be preventative. Um, obviously you have to do it with someone who knows what they're doing and you don't want to go too crazy or you look crazy. Um, but I do think Botox, um, it can be a good tool if you are interested in that kind of thing. And then I think fillers the same way, hyaluronic acid fillers, radius, um, sculpture, all of the different kinds of fillers, they also have a role in, in facial, um, rejuvenation and kind of keeping your face looking younger because the stem cells and PRP are not great for volume. They're not going to help with the creation of volume so much. So if you want to, you know, increase the volume in your cheeks or at your temples or, um, or nasolabial folds, um, then one of the ways to do that, one of the best ways is going to be with a filler of some sort, unless you're doing, you know, surgery or other things like that. Um, so I think that there's, you know, all of these things do different things and they're very specific lasers, same thing. You can resurface that's different than, just injecting, you know, PRP or stem cells um, or radio frequency, we are tightening. So there's places for all of these things and knowing how to use them all, I think is important and not just having one trick that you can use. <laughs> totally. And you mentioned lasers. Does that fall in the category of light? Because you've mentioned light as well. Um, yeah, it's a type of light. Certainly, you know, like CO2 lasers, for instance, are a type of light. IPL lasers are a type of light um, where you're using a light or heat uh, or a combination of those two things to um, to create, usually to create some sort of damage so that then you can your body comes and repairs it. And then the other kind of light that I use um, quite a bit with my patients is like a red light, like a photobiomodulation, um, a red light therapy, which you could do at home. It's very gentle. And that's something that is going to have, you know, just over time, it's going to have skin benefits. And, and it's also you know, great for hair restoration and, and sexual health and all those things. But that's, um, that's not going to be, you aren't going to destroy anything first, like you do with the lasers, you're actually going to be just increasing um, stem cell activity, increasing mitochondrial uh, energy production, and just kind of increasing rejuvenation slowly over time. And that's, it's interesting because we've talked about red light uh, on this podcast before, but really just for skin and hair. hair. So it's interesting to think, oh yeah, it also works for sex and sexual health. Yeah, we use, there's a, there's a device called VFIT Plus um, by Joylux. I don't have an affiliation with them, but, but they have an intravaginal red light therapy device that is fantastic for women. Um, you know, especially women who are over 35, 40, who, um, or have had children and maybe want to have, you know, some increase in vaginal tone or tightness or, you know, sensation or things like that. And it's just a home treatment and it's, it's super mellow. It's very relaxing. It's like a hot stone massage for your vagina. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's going in the show notes. That's so cool. <laughs> wow. And this is like mind blowing to me, but that makes a lot of sense actually when you say it, duh, of course, right? Why, why wouldn't you do that? So yeah, that's amazing. And then when it comes to sexual health and sex, 
I'm interested to know what are kind of the issues that your clients or patients come to you for when it comes to sex. So most, and I focus specifically on um, on kind of aging, so aging skin, aging um, sexual function, whether that's men or women. Um, I'm not an OBGYN. I'm not a dermatologist. You know, so I'm not focused um, so much on um, on pathologies and disorders. So you know, so if you have like for so for sexual health, I, I see a lot of women who are, you know, again, probably 35 up is generally my kind of age group for that. But people who have noticed, um, you know, decrease in vaginal lubrication, decrease in tone or tightness, decrease in sensation, orgasm, you know, things like that, that have been affected by either childbirth or just aging, um, hormonal changes that may be, you know, precipitating that. Um, and so we can kind of look at those things together and say, you know, maybe what's going on and then what are some options for, for fixing that. It's so interesting too, because I actually just recently took a test with Inside Tracker. I don't know if you're familiar with them. And it was so interesting because I really didn't anticipate kind of what the results were. And I was higher in testosterone, which I would never have thought or guessed or anything like that. And I'm curious to know when women come in with hormonal imbalances, do you test them to see what their uh, markers are, and then go from there. Yeah, absolutely. My my uh, my one of my clinics, Bio Restoration, and down here in um, Utah, that's we do a lot of of hormones, and so we do a lot of hormone testing. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, but you know, someone like you and like like me as well, because um, I have I tend to have higher testosterone levels than I do like relatively versus estrogen, for instance. And um, there, so there are some interesting tests that you can do through, um, there's a company called the DNA Company that um, has a fantastic researcher behind it, but they basically will look at your genetics and how your genetics are playing into your hormone pathways. And so like for me and, and possibly for you, I had the genetics where essentially I tend to make testosterone. And then from that, I don't tend to make as much estrogen. That's just the way that my genetics are. But I don't make like tons, it's not so much testosterone that I'm going to, that I have like polycystic ovarian syndrome symptoms or things like that, but it's just, you know, kind of where I'm a little bit more, um, testosterone do uh, dominant. And if you look at me, I'm kind of a strict straight up and down person. Like I don't have like all the curves like you do if you're more estrogen, um, heavy. And, uh, and so it's, it's interesting to look at your own personal, not just hormones, but your genetics and how those things play into your hormones. Um, and then that will help us to decide, you know, whether or not to, give extra hormones, you know, later on when you need it, it, it really is based on kind of which ones would you need and, and, and what doses. Oh my gosh. That's so fascinating. Yeah. So fascinating. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh, now I need to do that because that would, it just explains a lot, I think too, as well. And you're like, okay. Cause I think the first thing you think is like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? Right? Like this is, this is not ideal? What, what am I doing wrong? So I think it's just interesting to be like, oh, well, actually there's all these women who came before you that also ran high in testosterone or yeah. whatever. And, honest, and honestly, it's, you know, we don't know, we know a lot about hormones, but we don't know everything. Um, for instance, I, when I tested years ago, I, my, my estrogen level was 
and, this, and I was probably, you know, I was probably like in my early thirties at the time and my estrogen level was very, very low. And the doctor who was testing, was like, Oh, you know, your estrogen's very low. Like you shouldn't even be having periods. Like you should, I can't even believe that you, that you're, you know, that you're fertile, that you have kids. And I was like, Oh, well, I've got twins and another one. And I've had regular periods my entire life. And so I think that there are components that we don't understand. There are things at the receptor level for hormones. You know, I, maybe I have super high receptors and they're just, they don't need much estrogen. You know, like, I don't think that we can just take one, you don't want to just take a lab value and act on it. You want to also look at the patient and see what's happening. You know, if your testosterone is high, but you don't have any acne and you don't have any aggressiveness and you don't have any uh, clitoral swelling or any of these, you know, symptoms of high testosterone, then that's so what, like in that case, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because you're still healthy. So that's kind of something that I think is important as well. I love your approach too. Cause I think a lot of women maybe go to the doctor and they're told that, and it feels kind of like they're being shamed a little bit, you know, or they feel like ashamed. And so I think it's beautiful that you have that approach kind of like, there's nothing wrong with you, you know, let's look deeper into it. Let's see what's going on and, and just look at the big picture. So yeah, I think that's amazing. Once you've, you kind of looked at hormones and looked at these symptoms that might be there, what are some ways that you address sexual health and, and help women in that area? So yeah, so once we look at hormones, if those are all good, or we kind of on the right track there. You know, the other thing that I I don't actually address so much in my practice, but I think is very important, is the is the sort of mind the mind piece of it. You know, what's the do you have any sexual trauma? Do you have um, a precon you know preconceptions about whether you should or shouldn't be having sex? Do you have a lot of guilt? Do you have a lot of you know where there religious concerns? Like all of these things will play in heavily to whether or not you're you have sex you know sexual satisfaction. So that part of it, I know I'll ask patients about, and if there are concerns, then I recommend that they see a sex therapist um, or someone who, you know, can talk to them about that because that's not my area of expertise, but it is really important and very, very common for women just to be told, you know, like your whole life, like you shouldn't be having too much sex. You shouldn't be having a certain type of sex. You shouldn't be like, you know, you only should do it this way, but not this way. Like, it's just like, we're, we're told all of these things. And then, you know, whether we want to believe them or not, like we internalize those things. Um, so that's important. Um, but once it comes to kind of the actual treatments, you know, we can do a number of things. We can do vaginal lasers, like a, almost like a, like a CO2 laser, like you do for your skin. We can do the same thing uh, for your vagina where we're, we're creating an injury and then your body's repairing it. And that can be helpful for increasing lubrication and, um, and tightness and things like that. So it's, it, you know, a lot of these are very similar for skin. We can do radiofrequency of the vagina, just like we can for your skin. So that's going to be more of a tightening using heat um, treatment. And so we can use some of those to, to tighten um, as well for the vagina. So like, these are like, it's like your skin on your face and your vagina are like the same, even though they're not. <laughs> And then we can do these injections like PRP, stem cells, exosomes um, into the vagina, just like we can with the skin where we're trying to increase blood flow and, and collagen production and sensation and things like that. First of all, they sound painful. <laughs> Are it they does painful? sound painful. No, we, we use numbing cream. If okay. we didn't use numbing cream, they would be a little bit, a little bit painful for sure. Okay. Okay. And then it's interesting too, because so tightening the vaginal muscles or tightening the vagina? Like what is that? How does that help with sexual health? Um, it depends on what, you know, you, so first of all, there's tightening of the, there's increasing the, the, the tone of the pelvic floor muscles. So that's a big, that's one part of it. And that's going to be done with things like Kegels at home or, 
even um, there's some home um, pelvic floor strengthening devices like the intensity device, which you can get over the counter, which are going to be intravaginal devices that, you know what a TENS unit is where it, it makes your muscle like stimulate, like contract. So we, ha we have those where you can do that at home with the device that goes inside. And it's amazing. It's like Kegels on steroids. So there are some things like that, like Kegels or there's some gamified Kegels, um, you know, things like Elfie um, and, and devices where you put them inside and then you can play on your phone. It's like you're playing like Frogger, you know, with your vagina, but you're basically just doing Kegels. So all of that's going to help the pelvic floor muscles become stronger, which is going to be, which is going to make for better orgasms. It's going to make for strong, you know, better ability to keep your urine inside when you're jumping on a trampoline or whatever. Um, and then we can also work on the, the, the vaginal canal itself, which is going to have, you know, improving the collagen and improving the, the um, sort of elastic uh, structures around the, the vagina with things like red light therapy or, or injections or lasers or some of those kinds of things. So there's kind of multiple different levels that you want to work on. And then when I think of that, like, okay, you're taking some, sometimes you may recommend like a home remedy or like a home therapy, right? You're taking this device home and working with it. How does like self-pleasure fit into that? Is that something you also recommend for your clients to do or limit or how does that work? Yeah, definitely don't limit it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pro uh, self-pleasure. I think it's really important. I think it's important for, for everyone. But I think it's important for women, especially because we're a little trickier than men, right? Like it takes a little bit more figuring out. And, you know, I've had patients, you know, who are in their 40s or 50s who, because of religious beliefs or because of things that they were taught, they have never looked at themselves. They have never touched themselves. And, um, and I think, you know, I've told them, like, if you really want to have and, and these women, a lot of them were having difficulties with, with reaching orgasm and just were like, you know, they wanted a procedure, but I said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do a procedure on you. Like you don't need needles put in your vagina. Like you just need to feel good about this, the fact that you have this amazing body and you need to explore a little bit. And, um, that's going to do you a lot more good than, you know, any of my procedures. So I think that it's important. I think that the messaging to women shouldn't be that your body is, um, you know, bad in any way. And I think that, you know, touching and exploring, you could teaches you what you like, teach your partner, you can teach, you can teach your partner what you like. And if you don't do that, it's really hard to know. Yes. I read on your Instagram recently, something that really fascinated me because especially being a coach too, you work with women who are really trying to figure out what they like and, and kind of how to create a sense of passion and fire in a relationship that they've been in for a long time. And you wrote that um, a certain level of fight or flight is required for female sexual arousal, which I think is mm. fascinating because it's not something I would have thought at all would be a thing. Yeah, it's an interesting balance because you want to be, you have to be relaxed enough for, to get, you know, for both men and women, you have to be relaxed enough to actually have all of the things happen that need to happen to, in order to have, you know, a satisfying sexual relationship or, you know, experience at orgasm and all that. You have to be somewhat in this parasympathetic state. However, in order to get to that place, there is, there, there has to be some excitement, you know, involved. And um, so it's this very interesting interplay of like, excite excitement, but also I have to feel safe. Like I want to be excited, but also safe. <laughs> 
So yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not even sure like what, what was the answer is for that? Like a scary <laughs> movie, but maybe do it at home where you feel safe. <laughs> but it's so great. Cause you did mention like, it's so much more complex for women and men. I think, you know, the, the easy thing in a way is like here, at least there is a pill you can take. And then that's something that will like a Viagra, but for women, that doesn't necessarily work because there's so much more going on. I think it's partly just because our minds have such an effect on how aroused we get and how we feel in our bodies too. Yeah, it's so true. You know, we know that Viagra, uh, you know, for men, it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't cause men to be interested in sex. It just causes them to be able to keep an erection, right? So, uh, it, so that sort that same idea. Women, it does in women. It does cause you to have increased blood flow, but the problem is there's this, um, it's not really a problem, but the, there's this interesting discordance, they call it, between what we're thinking and what is happening in, you know, in, our, in our genitalia. So you know, in, in men, if they're thinking that they're turned on, um, then they almost always are turned on physically. Like you look at their, you know, they actually have erections or they have evidence of being turned on. But they've done studies with women where they will show women like videos, for instance, and they'll have like the, their vaginal tissues hooked up to like electrodes. It's, it's very weird. But they basically will show them videos. And then as they're watching the videos, they'll say, you know, tell us like when you're turned on in your mind and when you're not. And, and then they'll correlate that to what's happening in their vagina to see if they actually have like increased vaginal secretions and increased you know, tone and blood flow and all these things. And there's this pretty big discordance. If there's a pretty big difference in when we think we're turned on and when our our bodies think we're turned on, um, and so you, it's you know, it's a fascinating thing that you by increasing blood flow to the to the clitoris and the vagina, it doesn't actually mean that our brains are interested in having sex, which is why Viagra doesn't work for women. Um, it works occasionally if blood flow is the problem, but it doesn't work the rest of the time. So kind of bringing it back to then the anti-aging component. One of the things that you do with your clients is PRP. And is that something that you also do in like the vaginal area as well, or is that fully for hair and skin? Yeah, we use PRP all over. So I use it for, for skin. I'll do injections with PRP. I'll do microneedling and then you know, apply PRP topically. You know, PRP, it just comes from your own blood. So it's just platelets concentrated um, from your own blood. Um, we'll, of course, use it for scalp, for injections, for hair restoration. And then we'll do um, vaginal and clitoral injections with PRP. And that's, you know, we use numbing cream first. But um, we're going to basically numb up those areas and then just put a little PRP into kind of like in the G spot area, which is like upper vaginal wall, uh, as well as the clitoris. And those are, you know, if it's a five minute procedure, once you get the PRP, it's, it's super, super simple and can make a big difference for people. Wow. That's amazing. And then can you talk a little bit about how PRP works then for like hair restoration? Because that's something I think a lot of other women also struggle with It's like, Oh my gosh, my hair is thinner. I don't have as much hair as I used to have. Yeah. Um, yeah, PRP can be really effective for it. I always recommend with women with hair loss, just like just like with sexual function, female hair loss is, is oftentimes more complicated than male hair, hair loss. Uh, male hair loss, 96% of the time is going to be due to androgenic alopecia, which is uh, sensitivity at the, at the hair follicle to a hormone called DHT, which is a derivative of testosterone. And that does happen with women too. That's what female pattern hair loss is. 
but we also have hair loss for so many other reasons because your thyroid is too high or too low because your other hormones, estrogen, testosterone are too high or too low because you're stressed, because you're pulling your hair back in too tight of ponytails, because you're on any number of medications, including antidepressants and, and anti-inflammatories and, you know, and some of the things that like a lot of women are taking can cause hair loss. Um, you know, because you had a baby recently or you had COVID recently, like all of these things can cause hair loss. So that's the, and then also iron, that's a big one too, is not having enough iron and your ferritin levels not being above 80 or so. So you got to look at all that first, but, um, but if those are all okay, then PRP is something that can be a great way to start regrowing hair. So you're, you know, numb up the scalp in some way. And then we just do injections with the PRP about every two centimeters or so. Um, and that's going to basically increase um, signals to the hair follicle cells to try to get them to become into this sort of healthier growth phase um, and to, to restore hair. And we can do PRP alone, or you can add in things like amniotic um, membrane products, which have been used successfully for hair for a long time and can make it work even better. And how many treatments do you feel like a, a person might need to kind of see it, start seeing a difference in their hair? Usually it's at least three, and usually you're gonna be spaced about a month apart. Um, the studies that have been done with PRP for hair, and there are a number of them at this point, they, they basically show that you, you, know, you don't want to just do one or two. You may not see any improvements with one or two. With three, you should. And on average, you, uh, if you look at all the studies, it's, you're going to see between 18 and 30 um, new hairs per centimeter if you have three treatments of PRP and you know, you're kind of a good candidate for it. Amazing. Very cool. And how do peptides fit into all this? Because I know that's something you work with as well. Uh, you have a new peptide. I just saw, I was like, Yay. oh my gosh, it looks amazing. So I'm very excited about that. So how yeah. do peptides kind of fit into all of this with sexual health, skin health? So peptides are just short proteins. It's just a little baby protein, right? It's like a fragment of a protein that does something specific. Um, so, you know, a lot of peptides in the, in the past have been, and still are, a lot of them are by prescription only because there are a number of them out there. But I use specific ones for skin and hair and sex. And basically we're just targeting something very specific. So like for skin, a common peptide, which has actually been around for a long time, is called GHK copper. And it's in a lot of your creams and your serums. And if you look it up, you know, if you were to look up GHK-CU, um, you'd find that it's in a ton of products already. But that basically, you know, it, it's great at increasing collagen production in the skin. Um, we can use that same peptide for hair restoration, especially in, in women. That can be effective um, combining it with something like zinc thymulin, which is another um, almost like a, it's a, a immune modulating peptide. So it can help with inflammation and it can help with um, hair growth, especially if there was an inflammatory component to it. Um, and then there's some peptides that the, my favorite one for sexual health is uh, called PT-141. It's actually an FDA approved drug now called Valisi that you can get. It's very expensive. Um, if insurance doesn't pay for it, it's like $700, which is crazy. But as a peptide, before it was an FDA approved drug, it was, you know, like $50. So um, that's what happens <laughs> when you get the big, big pharma involved. But, but that's an interesting peptide because it works on the hypothalamus. It works on something called the melanocortinin pathway. But basically it, 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 it helps to make it to what, so you are actually interested in sex. So it does increase libido and it increases arousal and desire and all of those things. So it works not just on the genitalia like Viagra does, but it actually works on like the whole 
kind of process. And so it's effective for, um, for both men and women to some degree, um, but it can have some side effects like headaches and nausea and things like that. So it's not perfect, but it is a, it's an interesting one for women because it's one of the first ones that I think actually can be really helpful. And would somebody take those, take the peptide or, or however it's um, consumed for a long period of time and then it stops working or is it something kind of you use and then wean off of it? How does that work? So you just take it as you need it. So with the sexual, with the sexual stuff, with the skin ones, you could take them um, kind of cyclically, but with the, with the sexual ones you take, uh, and it, you actually can do it either sub-Q injections or intranasally now. There, there's some formulations where you can just do it, you know, in your nose, which is way better, I think. Um, <laughs> but you take it like, you know, on the day that you're, you were to have date night tonight, you would take it an hour beforehand. Um, and then that tends to last, the, the problem is it tends to last like, six hours or so. Like it's a long acting thing. And I've had patients tell me that it was like the middle of the night and they woke up and they were like, like, so like, like going out of their skin because they like needed to have sex right now because (laughs) like, you know, it lasts a long time. And so it can be fairly intense for some people. Um, but you know, that's a, a positive and a negative, I guess. Wow. That's, it is a positive and a negative, I suppose. It's, it's probably more of a positive if you're really looking to like boost your, your sex drive, but I can right. you're like, okay, it's 3am. I'm kind of ready to sleep now. <laughs> right. And, and so then with peptides, um, when somebody is interested in doing that, do they go to their doctor? Like what is the best way to do that, to go about that? You have to go to a doctor who deals in I saw not, not deals in, but like he knows how to use peptides and is familiar with them and is willing to, uh, to use them because they're still in this, um, kind of investigational space. A lot of them where they're not, uh, they're not necessarily, some of them are FDA approved. Some of them are not, some of them, the FDA has chosen not to regulate because they're so small and they only have a certain number of amino acids, um, or they've just been around for a long time and are considered to be pretty safe. But, um, but it's not, it's a, it's a kind of a niche thing where only specific doctors are doing it. There are some peptide, um, organizations, uh, out there that you can look at online that can give you doctor referrals, but, but it's, uh, it's not something that everyone is doing at this point at all. Hmm. And so you would recommend going to find a doctor to do it or, cause I know some people go online, they get their own peptides. It's a very interesting, I think, right. Because you said it's, it's very still new and it's making it yeah. into this world that we're living in. So do you feel like it's really important to seek out a doctor or do you feel like you can navigate it on your own? It's so much. I mean, it's so much, even as a doctor, it's so much to like understand all of the different mechanisms, the side effects, the contraindications. Uh, and I'm a, you know, I'm the kind of person who likes to experiment on myself and I, and I think it's a lot of fun. So I totally understand the people out there who are like, ah, I'm just going to do it. Um, I get that for sure. But there's, there's a lot to it, especially you know, not so much like the topical GHK copper, like you can go, you can do that on your own. But if you're going to be injecting something, I think it's important that you have someone who's following along, who, who is watching for side effects, who can tell, who can tell you where to get it that's safe. Um, because you don't want to inject things that are that are either going to have side effects or, you know, potentially create um, immune responses in your body to these, these, these peptides or autoimmune disorders or infections or any of these kind of things. So, yeah. Amazing. I love that. I, we did a, a peptide episode a while back and I had so many people be like, well, now what do I do? Where do I go? You know, how do I get them? So I, I think know. it's great because it, it clears up a little bit about that. 
Yeah. Um, that's amazing. All right. Well, I have three questions that we ask all of our guests. And the first one is, uh, what is your definition of beauty? My definition of beauty is, is just feeling good about yourself and feeling like you're ready to go out into the world and, and make a difference and make an impact and enjoy your life. Like, I think it's very subjective, but I, I think it's mostly, you know, it really is in the eyes of the beholder and it's in the eyes of the person who is holding the beauty. Mm, beautiful. What is your favorite inner or outer beauty tip for our listeners? My favorite beauty tip is sleeping. I think it's so important. I think it's so underrated. And I think that if you don't get seven to eight hours of sleep uh, a night, you will never look your best. Mm, very good. Are you, do you work with blue light and red light? Do you have like red light glasses or anything like that? I, I do, I do have the glasses, but what I do, I don't use them much. I just, pro, I just kind of avoid screens, um, you know, at least an hour before bed. And then I, you know, wear a sleep mask at night and, and keep out all the different lights in my room and things. So I think the light is very important and, and, uh, avoiding, you know, certain types of light for sure can make a difference. That's amazing. Do you have a sleep tip for, for everybody? My, my biggest thing that's been a difference for me is, um, is this, this, uh, sleep mat that I have an Uller sleep mat, which is the chili pad kind of the high, like the next up from the chili pad, um, where it cools your bed at night and you can adjust the temperatures and you can put it in a cooler, you know, but as you go deeper sleep, it cools you more and then you can bring it up. And I love that thing. I think it makes a huge difference. And when I travel, I don't have my Uller and I'm always like, why is it so hot? Like I'll wake up just like a hot, you know, throwing the covers off me and I'm, and it's uh, and I don't, you know, I don't have an affiliation with that company, but I think they do a really good job. Oh, amazing. I'll, I'll find them and put them in the show notes. Thank you for that. And where can people find you? So I'm pretty active on Instagram at Dr. Amy B. Killen. Uh, and then I have couple of different websites. Uh, biorestoration.com is one of them. Uh, DrAmyKillen.com is another one. And then I'm also on YouTube as well at Amy, Dr. Amy Killen, I think. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Amy, so much for being here today. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. If you loved this episode, please give this podcast a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us spread the word about the power of holistic health and beauty, and it helps this podcast grow. If you share your favorite takeaways from this episode on Instagram, please make sure to tag me so I can reshare. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful week.